Kings Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Things have gone absolutely crazy. Aaron Bruski of hoop-ball.com is with me. Aaron, we we gotta like put on tall boots and start wading through this muck. Uh, this this is a little bit of a crazy idea. I mean, we're doing this right in the middle of free agency. Everything hasn't slowed down for about 36 hours or something like that. And who knows? Things are going to break while we're doing this podcast. You know, the whole thing could be irrelevant within 24 hours. I don't know. But uh, it's, it's, it is the thing that we all thought it would be. There are big contracts flying around everywhere. It's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. I think the, the thing for me that stands out just like from the outside looking in, on day one, is holy cow, people are paying really marginal basketball players a whole lot of money. And I know that it's all relative. There's new cap money. There's new all this. That doesn't matter. I, I tweeted that, this out last night. Just because you get you pay somebody a bunch of money doesn't mean that they're going to get better at basketball. And some of these guys making money, I mean, I, I don't understand. I mean, how could you possibly think that Timothy Mozgov is going to ever live up to $64 million over four years. I, it's just shocking. I, my, my comment on that would be, if he's healthy, and you, you roll back the film to a year ago, he looked like he had some serious upside. Maybe not all-star upside. I did say that at one point in time. But he was a beast. He was physically beating people up. Then last year happened, and he lost all of his confidence, not just some of it. He lost the whole thing. He couldn't. He was almost allergic to the basketball floor because he couldn't do anything. He and went full Macklemore. Macklemore looks like I don't know Kevin Hart in terms of confidence or something out there. He <laughs> was just terrible. I, I can't say it enough. So either they know his knee is is fine. They did all the tests. They've seen what they need to see, and, the, and he's fine. Or they're just absolutely nuts. I, I don't know which one it is. I, I think it might be the latter. All right, well, let's get to it, Aaron. There are so many rumors that are coming out right now about the Sacramento Kings. Who are they after? Who are they not after? Uh, who has shunned them? Clearly, Delavadova was one of the early names that was mentioned. He has already signed with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, but we've got Courtney Lee. We've got Dion Waiters. We've got Ryan Anderson, still in the mix with Ryan Anderson. Um, and we've got Alan Crabb. I think that people around Sacramento are excited about a few of those names, and then some of them maybe not so much. What are your early thoughts? Let's let's just start with Dion Waiters. Would you be all right paying Dion Waiters something in the neighborhood of what Mozgov is making, or maybe a little bit less because he's restricted, and you're gonna have to pay more for to make sure that OKC doesn't match? I mean, would you be comfortable with him as your starting shooting guard going forward? Comfortable is not a great word because no, there's no way I'd be comfortable with just if we're talking about from today, he had a great playoffs. And when I say great, I mean, I, I mean great. In the Warriors series, 
there was games that he did not make more than one or two bad plays. And, and he was a major contributor in, in turn, turning the Warriors back at times when the Thunder were at their most vulnerable. So to say he had a great playoffs, he did. And defensively, often, I mean, every facet of the game, that's why we're talking about this here today. Uh, if he was going to be getting, you know, 14 million and four years is what I projected that he would get. Uh, I had him as the 10th shooting guard. Now, here's my issue with going for a shooting guard in this range is there is so much depth at the bottom of the shooting guard ranks. You start all the way up at, at Alan Crabb, who I've got as the fifth best available. Now, my rankings are based on projected cost to the value you're getting in return as a player. Mm-hmm. So there'll be guys that are better than this, but they're more expensive, driving their value down. But when you go from Crabb and all the way down through Evan Fournier, Jordan Clarkson, Etwan Moore, Courtney Lee, Dion Waiters, J.R. Smith, Jeremy Lin, Tyler Johnson, Gerald Henderson... Crawford, Eric Gordon, these are all similar players. So I don't think any team needs to be reaching for any of these guys. Let everybody spend their money and fill up their slots, then get the leverage and sign these guys for smaller deals. Now, waiters, the numbers I'm seeing people say are ridiculous. $17 million, $19 million. This is a guy that has been bad for his entire career. Now, his brother did get shot and killed, and you wonder how much of an impact this had on him just as a person because the light switch that's gone off with his basketball game has been fairly dramatic. So yes, is there a chance that this works out for whoever requires him? Um, it, and it, keep in mind the thunder could actually match this deal. Uh, but I don't know, man, that's just comfortable would be the wrong word. I, I don't think anybody can be comfortable picking up Dion waiters at either 14 or even these ridiculous numbers of 18, 19 million a year. Yeah, I'm going to say, first of all, he's only 24 years old, so he he does have plenty of upside. He's got plenty of room to grow. You're right. What we saw in the playoffs was was excellent. I I loved watching him play defense, which I was shocked. He played some really, really rugged, hardcore defense for OKC in the playoffs, and I thought he fit in really well. Now, I don't think they're matching anything. If you go up to 12, 14, 15 million, I don't think that they're gonna they're gonna match because when I look at what they're trying to do there, they just brought in Victor Oladipo. He instantly eats major minutes there. Uh, I just don't see that there's a real need for him, and especially at that much money. I mean, they spent their money last year on Cantor, and I kind of look at at uh, Waiters as the guard version of Cantor. You know, he's good, but he's not great. And he, he does some things that you like, but nothing like over the top. He's really, he's got a scores mentality, which I like. He's got a lot of moxie and he comes in and he's, he's not going to back down. So that's where I kind of separate him from Ben McLemore. I mean, if I look at their PER, they're basically the same player. They're not, uh, he had a, a horrendous season when it really came down to it. But you're looking at a young guy, you know, a top four pick in the draft who has tremendous tremendous athleticism and can still do a lot of things i'm just not sure that i love him as a player i i don't think that he would be a guy that would be top on my list at all i like i like crab a lot better uh i like lee better um but i do like that he's he's so incredibly young and has you know still he has room to grow yeah i mean 
again, though, it comes back to why would this be your number one target? One, one quick thing I want to address. There has been a ton of noise surrounding Dion Waiters' restricted free agency. And I do believe that the Thunder probably would prefer to get not out of the Dion Waiters business, but um, I think all told they wouldn't be all that upset if somebody came in with a big offer and helped them kind of ease a log jam. Because here's the problem. At $14 million, he's probably a good asset for them to hang on to. Similarly to Jordan Clarkson, who doesn't fit very well in L.A. you got a lot of guys that need the ball. you got D'Angelo Russell there. And at about just under $15 million for four years, that's a good asset to have because he's a young player that's proven he can do some things and that can get you something on the trade market. So I think the Thunder are backed into a corner if they don't get a huge offer that they should just say no to, especially if they don't get Al Horford, which it looks like they're very much in the Al Horford sweepstakes. But then again, so is Boston. So if they don't get Al Horford, now they're looking at having more space to be able to take on, take on a deal like that. Uh, but again, coming back to the Kings, there are so many shooting guards that they could go out and get they don't need to be this hot on this one guy. And it almost makes me wonder if they are really indeed that hot on his trail. Um, you're starting to see some of the local reports that might suggest that, that the Kings are as hot on him as um, the national reports have been. I personally have not been able to confirm that they have this level of interest. Typically, I'll hear something along the way that, that corroborates it. So I'm just a little iffy on saying one way or another if this is the case. Um, but again, they cannot, you know, you, 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 I don't think you go heavy on a position of depth in free agency when a lot of these guys can be had for the same amount or not even the same amount of money. I'm talking like 10, 11, $12 million. Yeah. I think one of the issues that the Kings have is that they aren't the hotbed of free agency. It's not where everyone is aching to come. Not everyone is lining up and saying, let me go become a Sacramento King. And I mean, we all know why. I mean, there's, there's plenty of reasons why that is. But they need to find players like a guy like Waiters who will come to Sacramento because he's chasing something different. And I think, again, we're talking about upside. A guy who's been locked in on a team that has two scores that really only allows those two to score and kind of pushes everyone else to the side. I kind of want to see what he has in him. You know, as a as a starting number two that gets... 30 plus 35 minutes a night or 33 minutes a night. I kind of see what he, I want to see what's there, but at the same time, he's just not a favorite. And um, I don't know he's ever going to be a favorite. But then again, when I look at that list, because I've done the list as well of all of the, the free agent shooting guards, I mean, I don't really want Gerald Henderson on this team either. And I mean, I can keep going down the list and say, eh, you know, I, I know you like Etwan more. But I don't know that he's an NBA starter for the next three years. I just don't know. Um, I don't know if that he's good enough. I think Waiters is good enough. I want to throw my hat in the ring on more. I just got done watching more film of him. He's a good defender. And, and I think not only because he, you, there's a needed point guard for the Kings, he can play both positions. And he's also a guy that doesn't need the ball in his hands to be effective. And that, I think, is a really big deal with the way the team is currently constructed, where you got Rudy Gay, who's probably on the trade block, and who knows whatever goes on with Rudy Gay. It seems like we're talking about that all the time. Nothing ever happens. Uh, but with DeMarcus, I think that you want guys that are low-utilization guys surrounding him, you know, catch-and-shoot type guys, and Etwan Moore does that. So throw, throw my hat in the ring on Etwan Moore. Um, but 
Yeah, Courtney Lee, I think. My, my point is this. Everybody's going to get bought up. And then the remaining shooting guards that are out there, there aren't going to be, there's going to be this big bidding war on the rest of them. Um, you know, Tyler Johnson, I think you could get, would be an interesting two that also is a combo guard model. But say you swing and you miss on a mall. Gerald Green, Randy Foy, Langston Galloway as a restricted free agent. Markel Brown as a restricted free agent. I, I don't see the huge drop off between these guys and these other bigger name guys that are going to cost 10 more million dollars per year. That's another player, a good player. Yeah, but I want, I don't just mentioned. I, I don't think any of those players are starting shooting guards in the NBA. Well, that's one more will be a starting shooting guard in the NBA at one point in time. He'll be a top 30 guy, top 25, you know, upside at most. Okay. But, but, but why, I guess, I mean, uh, the same thing is really true of Dion waiters. We don't know if he's a starting two guard in the league. He's never proven it. He's got about seven games that, that said that he could be. And, and that's where I'm, I'm asking myself, do I wager $10 million of salary cap room when I can get something pretty similar? Cause I don't think anybody's sitting here saying that Dion waiters is going to come and turn around and be a top 15 shooting guard. I mean, we're looking at a guy that in a best case scenario is a top 20 shooting guard in the league somewhere in that 20 to 30 range. And I know there's this thirst to bring in a shooting guard because the shooting guard position has been such a sore spot for the Kings. But really, none of these guys, going all the way to Alan Crabb, who has got a ton of buzz. Alan Crabb probably doesn't have top 15 upside as a shooting guard in the NBA. So That's true. No, that's it, true. It's, it's a position of depth at the low end. And that's, that's really all I could say for it. And when everybody is going to run out of money and the shooting guards are going to run out of places that they can play, knowing that they could revitalize their career in Sacramento, I don't think it's going to be as hard to pull them in as it might seem with other players in other positions. Hmm. All right. So, so we've beat down that topic as much as we can. Now, Courtney Lee has, I know the Kings called on Courtney, Courtney Lee. And I also know that he shares an agent with both Omri Caspi and Marcus Cousins. They all know each other. Uh, Caspi works out with him with David Thorpe during the summer. They're all buds. Uh, and the Kings, most of the players have been pretty sold that Courtney Lee is coming to Sacramento. Um, I think I, I like Courtney Lee a lot, but at 31, am I comfortable giving him a three or a four year deal for all of this money, knowing that he's a guy who averaged less than 10 points a game? Doesn't do anything that blows you away. He's solid at everything, but you know, not great at anything. What is it in your mind that separates Courtney Lee from the rest of this group? Not a whole lot, just to be perfectly honest. But what you do get from Courtney Lee, and I had him ranked as the number six shooting guard on the board at $15 million per year in a four-year deal. And I think that that deal will actually be something that he's able to earn. Um, but he's not going to beat that deal. He's not going to be a, a bigger bargain for that deal. So you're going to be dealing with a player that in all likelihood is going to go upside down at some point during the, the third or fourth year of his deal. But with, with the Kings, it's a really nice fit. I wish that he would shoot the ball more because he could definitely shoot, but he's an apprehensive shooter. So you're not going to get a lot of volume out of the shooting guard position. But having played with Dave Yeager and having – been in the league as long as he's had as he's been being in that great Memphis locker room 
and, and really just knowing exactly how the game should be played. I think that he fits a Kings team that needs those intangibles. So I pay a little bit more for him if I'm the Kings, and I'm a little bit happier with him if he's the guy that I end up having to, to pick. $15 million per year is pretty pricey. Um, again, if it starts creeping up over that, then I start to say, you know what, why not slide down this list and go for somebody else? Yeah, because what we're seeing right now is that the Knicks, the Knicks were in on Courtney Lee early, uh, both the Kings and the Knicks, and it appears that the Knicks are gonna they're gonna try to sign Eric Gordon. Um, he's deciding between Memphis, which I don't know how Memphis still has cap space, and the Knicks right now. Um, and I really like Courtney Lee as a fit player, but the one thing that I do have some concern with is that if the Kings are going to trade Rudy Gay which, again, is very, very possible, uh, they're going to need scoring from somewhere. I guess if you're going to replace his scoring with with Ryan Anderson, then that makes sense to me. But I just don't know about bringing in shooting guards that don't shoot when you know that there's a huge potential for you to lose your second scorer and you need at least one and maybe two more scorers on this team. So... I, that's where Courtney Lee is kind of a hang-up for me. I, I like Courtney Lee as a player, but I don't know that I love him in this situation if total change is happening. So let's get to this Rudy Gay situation because it could open a door for someone else, and a lot of Kings fans are going to cringe greatly. But Rudy Gay is being shopped, and, and I'll just tell people what I know about Rudy Gay. At the end of the season, he didn't request a trade, but... He pretty much told the Kings that, hey, if you can find a new home for me, please do. And, uh, I, you know, that's where we're at with him right now. And what we're seeing is the way that this crazy free agency has blown up where a guy like Chandler Parsons just got max money and Rudy Gay, who in my book is a better player than Chandler Parsons, he's going to play next season at $13 million. And so he has value as a contract going out. He also can opt out of a $14 million deal the next year and become a free agent, which I expect him to do because, you know, again, next summer people are going to get stupid cash like they are right now. Um, but my point is, is that it's possible that he could get you one of these players that you need. And I know the Kings uh, have talked to Indiana about Rudy Gay going there, and I'm not sure that that makes the most sense, especially with some of the deals that they've pulled off. But some of the rumors are that maybe Monte Ellis would come back to Sacramento. Where are you at with Monte? Are you even, I mean, he, he isn't that far off from the Dion waiters conversation from, from me, he's a better player, but as far as a personality and everything else that he, that he brings with him. Yeah. I'm, I'm worried about his knee and this is the guy that's played through every injury that you could ever imagine. He's a total gamer. I mean, he'll go out there and basically hurt, like re- really hurt and, and injure himself further. Um, so I worry that he's at the end of the road. And you saw signs of that last year when his numbers would dip significantly for long periods of time. Um, the stuff about him being just this uncoachable chucker is overblown. Rick Carlisle loved him in Dallas. Um, he would fit a need for the Kings. I just don't know that he's a great fit for the DeMarcus Cousins offense that you really want to see, which is to see him dump it into the, you see, you dump it into the post to DeMarcus and folks spot up and they cut. With Monte, he's a guy that needs the ball in his hands and he's just going to 
play kind of a free building. Um, it's kind of similar to Rondo in the way that he moves the, the basketball, except he can shoot and he can, you know, finish a lot better. Um, so I don't know that I, I, I think with Rudy Gay, you have a pretty good asset there. I think if you're taking back Rajon Rondo, pardon me, um, Montez, I think you're settling a little bit. I'd like to see something else attached to the deal that's that makes a little bit more sense. And I, I don't think it helps the Kings that much either that, you know, you've got all this, it's no secret that Vivek Ronadive really likes Montel. And I don't think you should make basketball decisions based on like narratives or things like that. But it's going to reek of Vivek meddling in, in this decision if he chooses or if this goes down. So I, I don't, I mean, if it was a cut smart deal, I say, sure, do it. Who cares what people think? But I don't know that it's a um, smart enough smart deal to also take on that criticism. Yeah, I don't like the criticism that they would take either there. And, you know, it would be warranted. Um, you know, watching Monte in the locker room over, over the years, he has grown up a little bit, but he's not he's not the first guy you want in the locker room, even at age 30, almost 31. And his numbers did dip substantially. I mean, he, he went from averaging 19 points the season before to just under just under 14 this year. Uh, I do like that he, he does a really nice job of distributing the ball, but again, ball dominant. Um, the Kings have, a, have lacked the ability to pass the ball from the shooting guard position for a while which is never a good thing. I think it's something that the Kings have always sought to improve on, sort of that all-around shooting guard position, and they just haven't been able to find it. Uh, I don't love him, though, as a player and as a personality. I I think the Kings can do better than that, especially with Rudy Gay as an asset. Um, But then again, who knows? I mean, the way that this market is going, we just really have no way to get a full grasp on what is going to happen next. I mean, the Kings could chase a guy like Alan Crabb, and you and I can discuss Alan Crabb ad nauseum. They can throw large amounts of money at him and hope that that Portland doesn't match, but you really don't know what you're getting there either. You're getting a, a guy who kind of plays defense. You think he's a 3 and D guy, but you're not sure. He definitely can knock down the open you know, baseline jumper, but that's in a system where he's got two crazy ball-dominant guards that do nothing but create space for everyone else. Sort of the same way that Harrison Barnes got a ton of open looks, the way that Iguodala and all of the players get open looks on the Golden State Warriors because of how great Clay and, and Steph are. You can say the same thing about C.J. McCollum and, and Damian Lillard, and so you're not quite sure what you're getting out of crab. Plus, again... Portland could just match and you could have wasted a lot of your time and money trying to land a player that's that you just can't get. And I guess maybe you think that the door might be open open there because they just signed Evan Turner to a $70 million deal. Even Evan Turner was like very open about what in the world, how did I just get $17 million a season? But this is just the new world that the NBA is living in. How do you how do you balance this? How do you even Consider making a trade today, knowing that any you know people always talk about oh at the trade deadline you could do this or that. Well, how can you trade Demarcus Cousins at the trade deadline and you got to come within twenty five percent of his salary? And you look at some of the players that are signing this summer, and I mean you couldn't trade for anyone that's signed this summer, or maybe you could. You could trade Demarcus Cousins straight up for a, a guy like Mozgov. 
I mean, that's where the salaries are going. That's why we talked about DeMarcus Cousins being such a huge asset for the Kings because he just doesn't make any money uh, in, in this new NBA. He's not going to make any money for a while. So uh, how do you balance this, Aaron? I think you have to look really closely at this shooting guard position. If that's the, if really that's what we're going to focus on, and, and we can't really talk about the trade market because we don't really know what other teams are making available at this point in time. But I think you can look at a guy like Alan Crabb and, and just break down the film. He did a great job defensively on opposing number ones, and he was called into that role quite a bit because Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, that's not their strengths. Uh, you look at the body type. You look at the way that he dribbled with the ball. You could tell he's going to be able to do some things, I think, at um, you know as he grows into his career. So I think you're looking for somebody like that. Um, I, I think you're looking at the, just the low-end assets with upside. And then at this point in time, you have to also come to grips with just because the fact you haven't had a shooting guard for X amount of years doesn't mean that you should overcompensate this year just to fulfill that position. Um, you got to look at other needs for your team. And, and also... So far, I think it was Ziller who tweeted this out. You know, whoever did it, whoever put Vlade in the basement and locked him in there has done a pretty good job because this isn't the free agency to spend your money on. These guys, the names just aren't, they're not worthy. Take the money, put it aside. They're not worthy of the attention and the time and, again, the money, I guess, to, it's just not worth it. Sit this one out and then make your play next year when there's a ton of great free agents. Yeah, but I don't think the Kings are going to do that. Because they're still looking. I mean, how do you do that right now? You have to. You have to get a shooting guard, no matter what. All you have. But they're right all the now, same, though. But all you have on the roster right now is Ben McLemore, and you can't just hope that. I mean, you're still going to have to pay somebody. I kind of. I kind of like what Orlando just did, giving Jeff Green a one-year, fifteen million dollar deal. I kind of like it because if I'm the Kings and I'm looking at this free agent class, you're right. It's not like over the moon, like spectacular. And he the money he couldn't he couldn't get minutes for the Clippers last year. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the money here is just is bonkers though, and you you just don't know what to do. I, I mean, the Kings can't just stand pat. They they don't even have a roster at this point. They have to sign someone. And again, it doesn't matter who you're signing. Everyone is getting just buckets of cash. I, I mean, Jeremy Lin got twelve million a year for three years. Uh, you know, we're we're seeing now as you know we we record this. Uh, Rajon Rondo just went into Chicago and and he had conversations with the Bulls. Um, that guy is running out of options. If it's not the Bulls, I don't know where it is because the Kings aren't re-signing Rondo. And so the Kings have to fill a point guard spot. They've got to fill a shooting guard spot. If they trade Rudy Gay, they got to fill the small forward spot. So how I, I again? You can't buy three players with $36 million or $34 million, whatever the Kings have at this point. It's going to have to take multiple moves in order to land players via trade, and it's going to have to take it's going to take a savvy signing or two to make this all work. I, I think the value in this free agency at the, both the point guard and the shooting guard positions is at the bottom. That's where the, the, the talent has pulled up, and I think that's where you're going to have your comparative advantage um, again, why I probably would have taken a chance on Wade Baldwin in the draft, but you know that's water under the bridge at this point. I, I think you you have to look at the long term picture and try to secure assets that are going to appreciate rather than depreciate. And the whole Rondo thing, 
you know, we put it out earlier today, this morning, but, and it, it, this has been stuff we've been hearing for a little bit. I don't want to say a long time because in reality, um, I, I think that, that this, this turning on Rondo has been a slow moving process. There's been the fact that nobody else in the league really wants him. And there's the demands of the Rondo camp that he wants to be in an idealized situation where he runs the team. He, he's in charge of it. He, he tells everybody what to do. He's a coach on the floor. I think all of that has turned people off inside the Sacramento organization. I think it's turned would-be suitors off. Uh, the net's off for Jeremy Lin. Now, Jeremy Lin's not a point guard. Jeremy Lin's a combo guard. So I don't see that there's a, um, a major diversion there. If you wanted to pick up Rondo, you could. However, now you're starting to have two similar players that have trouble shooting, at least off the dribble. And um, so that kind of takes them out. Chicago obviously needs a point guard, but that's Jimmy Butler's team. It's going to be interesting to see if Jimmy Butler is going to let Rajon Rondo hold the ball again. I don't know that that's going to necessarily be something um, that he wants to let happen. But then again, he might be on his way out. So you just see Mark Spears tweet right now you know, that Rajon Rondo is open-minded about a Kings and and cuz reunion well he of course he is he that might be his only option and the kings you know looking at rondo at a, at something in the ballpark of like say 13 million for four years you know looking at some of these more expensive power forwards like ryan anderson who i'm just not on board with you're, you're looking at you can spend money on two guys and then maybe patch it up from there or you could spend money on three to four guys that are in this pool of talent that's you know, looking at the um, the power forward position, you just saw uh, Darrell Arthur get signed to just an incredibly good deal, three years, $23 million. And granted, he took less money to stay in Denver where he gets along with Michael Malone really well. Uh, you got a guy named John Lure out of Phoenix who right now is a better basketball player than Ryan Anderson, like this minute, and he's going to go for a third of the cost. Um, so there's options. I think you have to not spend big money in order to cover all these positions of need and then turn in those assets that you've got. You've got Ben McLemore, Rudy Gay, Ryan Anderson, and, and see, see what you can do. Um, maybe you can either parlay that into being able to buy one of these other free agents, get a Kent Bazemore, somebody like that, or get the, the not the dead weight, but you know, the star that the other team doesn't want. Somebody's got to relocate. You've got to give something to get something. I think that you approach it piecemeal, but you don't go out guns blazing, spending money on these high-cost free agents in an unprecedented free agency that really required smoothing, and, yeah. and it, didn't, it didn't get it. This is, the, this is one of the worst free agent classes that I've seen, and it's combined with one of the most, the most, of, the most amount of money that's been available ever. It's, oh, a, yeah, real, yeah. it's, a, it's a recipe is, for disaster. It is a recipe for disaster, and, and you're right that by not jumping in full bore right now already and, and trying to get into this, but that doesn't mean that the Kings aren't going to jump in. And for me, I think when I look at the Kings, I, I again, I know they need a one, a two, a three. And realistically, they need a stretch four. Everyone in the league has a stretch four. The Kings do not have a stretch four. So I know you don't particularly like Ryan Anderson. I think he makes a lot of sense with a three-man big rotation of Willie, DeMarcus, and him. He comes in firing he can really open up the floor for others. I think he could play with both of those guys in different sets. I like him, but that's just me. And I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good locker room guy. I think he's a local guy. So all of those things make me like Ryan Anderson. But at the same time, I know that he's kind of a luxury. 
the Kings have to have somebody else to play the point guard. They have to have someone else to play the shooting guard. And so when I look at the whole package, I think the Kings have four needs besides just random depth. They need a one, a two, and a three, especially if Rudy's on his way out. And the fourth need is is that is Ryan Anderson. So how do you how do you fill those other needs? And I think the Kings have enough in free agency money to sign both a shooting guard and uh, and Anderson. They can or they can get a point guard in Anderson. And then I also believe that they can trade Kufis and Ben McLemore and land another one of those pieces. And then they can trade Rudy Gay and land another one of those pieces. So I think there's a way for them to improve and completely overhaul the roster in a you know a few moves here and there. But at the same time, it's you're almost looking at like, can you put a, an entire piece uh, puzzle together at one time? And you're trying to hold the pieces on one side and the other side, and you're trying to squeeze it together and hope that it doesn't break. And you don't know because if you get one of those things and not the other, if you get a starting point guard but you don't have a starting shooting guard and you're walking into this season with Malachi Richardson and Ben McLemore, then you're not going to be good at all. And if you walk into a season with you trade Rudy Gay but you're not able to get all of the other pieces you need, if you trade Rudy Gay and you don't get starting a starting one or a starting two for him, now you have a hole at the one, the two, and the three. So the Kings have to be so delicate in their approach that I just don't know how they pull this off. I maybe maybe they've got an idea and they're working it all out behind the scenes, but it's kind of why I I recommended earlier in the week, which I don't know if you read it, but I recommended taking Kufis and Mclemore and dealing them to the Minnesota Timberwolves straight up for for Ricky Rubio, just because I know. Rubio, even in with his faults in this market, is worth well more than his his contract over the next three years. And it at least buys you time at the point guard position to find someone that really makes sense. You know, I'm just sitting here kind of in my head scratching together a list of guys that I think that, that could work. I mean, Etwan Moore would obviously bridge the gap. I mean, he came in and filled in for the Bulls really admirably, and he wasn't afraid to shoot it when he was open either. He's restricted he could- though, right? He is restricted, um, yeah. but again, the and the Bulls are actually interested in, which tells you something a little bit about him as a player. But I don't think that they're they're wanting to spend big money on him because they're in the middle of a full blown rebuild. Um, well, but, they can match offers to him because he's restricted, so they could actually, uh, and his restricted amount is so low that they could actually let him, you know, sort of figure his way out and then see what his value is on the open market and then decide to match or not. And right now, teams are coming at him hard, and that's multiple reporters across you know the country, really. Um, but what can the Kings do? I, I think that the Kings can go low end at each of these positions and, and, and make out pretty good. Like for instance, you know, Etwan Moore, Tyler Johnson, even a Norris Cole. These are guys that can get you through whatever issues Darren Collison's going to have. They're all going to come extremely cheap. Alan Crabb, I think, would be kind of your idealized shooting forward that would. You know, give you a little bit of upside for the future. And then even at the small forward position, if you wanted to try to make an upgrade there, you could be looking at somebody like, you know, Mo Harkless. And then I know we've talked about Matt Barnes as, as maybe even just kind of a guy that can come in and play 20 minutes and, and ease the burden on, on your new guy. Say it wasn't Mo Harkless or somebody like that. So they're not faced with the pressures of being a big time starter in a new location under a pretty big deal. But above and beyond that, 
you know, Kent Bazemore is just a, he's our number two rated small forward on the board in terms of contracts. He's got really everything that you would want in a, in a bigger signing. He's got upside. He can play both sides of the floor. He can shoot. He can dribble. He can pass. He just needs an in-between game to put it all together. But he is an athlete of all athletes. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think he's a guy that you would spend money on. But to clean up the power forward position, you got four targets there. John Luer, Dwight Powell is a guy that's a restricted free agent that's been kind of flying underneath the radar. Rick Carlisle doesn't play rookies, but he's got all the tools physically to be a very good defender in this league. And then Brandon Bass. His numbers are, are so efficient, it, it's almost mind-boggling. He, he's a good low-end player that the Kings could secure at the power forward position. He's not your quote-unquote stretch four because his range doesn't go all the way out to three, but he still shoots it pretty well from the baseline. And he, in essence, can be that type of a stretch four, and he can give you 20 minutes per game. I, point being, I think that there are targets that the Kings can go after, stay flexible, stay light, and then when the, when the, the money is right and the, and the player is right, then you strike. I, I get it. I get it. And I just don't know that the money and the player and a- anything else is ever going to be right. I think what the Kings have to do is they have to prove that they can win. And then once they prove that they can win and people come through their new building and, and say, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And they get a little bit of taste for winning and they, they sign a couple of free agents. Again, I think at that point, that's when you know they have an opportunity to get better. But I think you have to actually feed the machine to actually get better. You have to spend some to, to make some. And so, I, I mean, we're, we're going to be... A, diametrically opposed on whether or not the Kings should jump in and spend money. I know we are, but at the same time, you know, they can't walk into the season with what they have now. And that to me, there's no way to improve without writing a giant check to one of these guys, because that is exactly what's happening. I mean, no one is being able to back out and, and and not sign anyone. I mean, when you look at some of these guys, I mean, what did Solomon get? Uh, that's just nuts. I mean, but, but like Deion Waiters, he showed in the playoffs that he could cover LeBron James. And when I say cover, I mean slow him down. And not a lot of guys can do that. So I, I mean, it's a it's a little bit of a gamble for a guy like that. I thought the Kings should have gone after him. Um, in one playoff series, he was able to slow the greatest player in the game down. And he's and never been able to do anything else on the court his entire two-year career. He, let's 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 be one hundred percent clear. He was terrible. I mean, he almost played himself out of the league. But he looked pretty competent offensively uh, <laughs> over the last month or so. And but he's got that that you know the body that you need to be able to stop twos and threes and LeBron James's. He's got that. So you're going to pay a premium for that. I'm not going to go to the go to the mat on a Solomon Hill deal. But these other guys like. That's one more. Um, you know, I, I think he has every bit of every chance to be better than Dion Waiters. I think, John, John, like I said, John Lohr is better, in my opinion, than Ryan Anderson right now. Oh, They're, that's crazy talk, Aaron. Nope. John Lohr is not any good. Yes, he is. He's not. <laughs> I, I mean, I've watched him play. I think he, he can hit a jumper, he can get a little bit of a rebound, he can fight a little bit. But he's not even in the same ballpark. He's not. And, I mean, if you can, you have to have scores in this league. You can't walk into this season with DeMarcus Cousins and Darren Collison as your two scorers. And you don't know how many games Darren's going to miss. 
that that doesn't work. You this can't is the beautiful is a beautiful thing about basketball is you know, there's all these rooms for opinions, you know, and and that's <laughs> that's what we get to do here. We get to speculate, and I I mean this is the fun part about it for me is because I I think you know I, I love that there can be a kind of a no name player that can come out of nowhere and maybe be better be better than the big name player, and and I you know what maybe I'll maybe I'll swing and miss. I, I just I, I think that the you have to, especially if you're the Kings, you have to just be aggressive in a in a kind of a weirdly opposite way than everybody else. It's the whole money. It's you've seen Moneyball. It was Brad Pitt. Yeah, Oakland A's. And I also yeah, that's know your that team. Oakland A's don't have uh, a single championship, and every single time they have a star level player, they trade them. And I I get trying to find guys that make sense to fill out your roster, and I think the Kings did that last summer. And we can get to uh, the Philadelphia 76ers trade with the Kings. We can, we can look at where that – I can't wait to really delve into what it fully means uh, with Costa Kufis and Marco Bellinelli, um, you know, what they get for Costa, which will basically most of the way complete the Kings side of the trade, and then, you know, we can look his, at what happens. But his, his contract is amazing right now. I mean, you gotta you gotta really just love that if you're the acquiring team. Well, yeah, he's free basically in this <laughs> market. I mean, basically, if you look at everyone is inflated by eight million dollars, and all he makes is eight million dollars. That's uh, the the weird the randomness of this, and why it's been interesting with the Kings. They they've been very quiet, um, and it, it's it's refreshing, you know. I don't care if I don't get as much information as normal, you know. Yeah, but the they're quiet and you're like, well, what is really cooking here? Cause they got these assets of Costa and Rudy. Nobody really is going to get all high on Ben. But I mean, when you put them all together, I do see the potential here for something like, I mean, like a top, if it was a pick, I would rate it at like a top 15 to 20 pick is what you throw all those guys together and, you know, in the pot. And I think it could come back as a top 15, 20 pick. So what would that be in the form of a, kind of not an aging veteran, but maybe a veteran that's at their apex, you know, that's in a bad fit with, with the team and he needs to change, change the scenery. I think the Kings could get something back for those guys that would be a little bit surprised. My hope is that they don't squander the asset and get like a big name, like an Eric Gordon, you know, like, I mean, the Gordon's not the guy that they would be looking at getting. Yeah. But you would want them to not do something like that because I do think that they could get a pretty good player. Um, just depending on who's available. That's, I think, everybody doesn't know what's what in this market right now. And it's making it very difficult to conjure up trades, in particular with the Kings, you know, who've got, you know, a lot of randomness in their situation right now. Yeah, and where are, where are all the big offers for Bismack and for Festus? I mean, well, that's, that, we haven't even got crazy. to that point. We got, haven't got to that point. And, and with Bismack, he's trying to take less money to stay in Toronto because he's got a conscience. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and DeMar DeRozan took a little bit less money. I don't know if that's going to be able to hold up, but that's interesting. And then you got Festus and, and um, Harrison Barnes completely tanking in the playoffs, so their market has softened a little bit. But yeah, Philly's Harrison get- Barnes, no mention of Harrison Barnes, no mention of one of these, these point guards outside of Connolly. Well, and you got the Durant d- domino that has yet to fall, and there was a report today that he might not make his decision until July 8th. Ugh. And that's I know, terrible. I the initial was that Kent Bazemore wasn't going to talk to anyone until after the 4th of July weekend. 
And well, I'm that like, didn't last. Okay, dude, you're up for like between 17 and 19 million dollars a year, and and he's made nothing. I mean, I literally at that point, I I have a a pin surgically sewn into my hand. Like, who's giving me the giant check? I'm ready for it. I thought he might bite on that Houston offer because he's a guy like you know, like Isaiah Thomas hadn't made anything in his career, and when Phoenix showed him a little bit of love. And he was faced with the prospect of getting maybe a worse deal. You know, he just jumped at it. And, and I'm sure he regrets the deal because look at, look at the deal now. <laughs> That's yeah. like one of the biggest bargains in the NBA. And same thing's going to, I mean, Bazemore's going to get paid a lot more. Um, but I'm sure he's ch- champing at the bit to get that fixed. Never know if it's champing or chomping, but it's Chomp. champing. Okay. It's, it's champing. All right. I had to look it up one day. Well, and then we're going to look at, I mean, if if Durant's not going to make a decision until then, the mor- moratorium is up after seven days, so that will be the day before. So teams will, you know, lock in all of those uh, those contracts right away, and then people who have uh, offer sheets to guys like Dion Waiters or Alan Crabb, then they'll be able to make their decision. So it really, it sort of puts. Uh, you don't want to string yourself out and put a big offer in for one of these guys who's restricted unless you really know that they're not going to get kept. And again, I think that might be the reason why the Kings are looking at waiters because they know that he's unlikely to be kept in this, especially if they somehow land Horford to go with Durant and Westbrook and Oladipo. Man, that team is going to be good. Yeah, and the, the whole Billy uh, Donovan connection with Horford there is going to have great synergy. And, and that's the, the league is like, so who's the favorite next year? you got the Spurs that never lose. You've got the Warriors that are going to be hungrier than ever. You've got the Thunder who are assembling kind of a super team if they keep Durant. And then you've got the defending champions in the Cavs. It's, it's just a phenomenal, you know, I think, offseason that we're looking at. And I think it'll make the season a lot more interesting than it would if the Warriors just ran through everybody and nobody had a chance. That's right. Okay, so let's uh, let's take like two minutes to make some predictions here. Um, what do you think happens? I'm gonna go Ryan Anderson, Courtney Lee. I'm not gonna do it to you guys. I go Ryan Anderson, Courtney Lee. They should have gotten Ish Smith. That's that's what we didn't talk about. That Ish Smith deal. He took the Isaiah Thomas deal. He did. He, he, he got tired. Money, he waited him. thirty. He waited thirty minutes. Or wait, no, four thirty Eastern. No, he waited a little while. Didn't get a call. Stan Van Gundy scooped him up for nothing. That was just a beautiful Stan Van Gundy move. I'm gonna give them Raymond Felton. I'm. I don't know anything. I really don't know anything. Raymond I'm giving them Raymond Felton. They're gonna need a. If they don't sign uh. Ron. If they don't sign Rondo, who are they going to go to? I mean, there are a list. No, I mean, Ty Lawson's practically out of the league. Yep. Like, Mario Chalmers coming off a ruptured Achilles. That's no good. Shane Larkin might actually be a good fit because you're, you're not going to pay him anything and you're not going to expect anything out of him. Ronnie Price would be a good fit. He actually had some good games last year. Um, Jared Bayless has gone. Jennings, eh, yeah, I don't think you want to get into the Jennings business. No, Norris Cole's a guy. He played really poorly and he might have a really bad back. But um, he's a guy that could step in and handle 10 to 15 games. Not saying I know anything about a potential Darren Collison suspension, but if you're just looking to bridge the gap between Darren Collison's time off, whatever that may be, and, and looking for an experienced point guard, you could do that. But Felton, to me, 
I mean, if, if the chips, if it starts looking bleak, I'm going to go, felt, you got to pick a low end point guard because if it's not going to be Rondo, they got to get somebody. They didn't draft one. I don't think you can rely on Seth Curry as a backup with the, with the Darren Collison situation also in play. So you know what they should have done. Uh, and I don't know if it's too late, but they should have just claimed Jared Jack. See, I'm really worried about that guy's uh, knee. He's, whatever, 33 years old. He tore not only his ACL, but he also tore the cartilage in his right knee, his, in his meniscus. I, I think he thinks he's good to go, but I don't think anybody else thinks he's good to go. And but so I would, he's only owed $6.3 and in this market, I mean, Jared Jack, last year before he got hurt, was averaging 14.4. And eight point oh, that's per thirty six. Let's see, he was he averaging would... twelve point eight and seven point four assists in thirty two minutes a night. I mean, he can steal you twenty five minutes a night, even if he's still coming back. I, mean, I don't even, I don't know if he can even play. Period. That that's my concern with him because that's a serious. He had a serious ACL tear. Like that is that's asking a lot for a twenty four year old to come back from. And, but you're just trying to get through the first 15 games. I, I even argued you could get Steve Blake. You could get Kirk Heinrich. You could get Marcelo Huertas. It's actually Huertas, my bad. Huertas. Marcelo Huertas. Where is uh, Sergio going? Sergio's not coming across. Well, I thought he was. No, that was reported today. In the Barry, I, I'm sitting there getting like 50 news stories. It feels like an hour thrown my way. And then there was the Sergio Rodriguez one. And, and somebody's like, we're not getting that, are we? I was like, no, we're getting that one. Because <laughs> Kings fans, you know, want to know if he's going to the Nets. Because the Nets thing controls the Rondo thing. And I don't know how the Nets are out for Rondo. But it seems like they might build around Jeremy Lin and then choose to develop their rookies that they drafted. Yeah, um, but I mean, everyone should know now. The Kings aren't signing Rondo. I mean, I, I my I would not doubt it if Rondo gets told no at these other places, and then he comes back to the Kings and says, "I want to I want to be your starting point guard. I'll take a pay cut." For and, and, yeah, but he's not going to go below ten mil a year. So what you he's going to ask for three thirty, and that's if that's like in the most craziest of crazy situations. And even then, I still believe the Kings say no. I, I well, that, I wouldn't doubt it now. What I'm hearing, what I'm hearing, but and and good for the Kings for you know for finally figuring that out. But the um, the the thing with Rondo that's going to be interesting is someday somebody's going to tell him he can't start anymore and he can't run the team anymore, and that he's not you know worth the big contract. And now the contract thing is going to work itself out this year, but eventually, really quick, it should be this year. But I do think he was a good fit with the Nets because he could handle all that usage and and it really would deserve to go to him at that point because nobody else on the team can handle the ball nobody else on the team can handle the spotlight so he would be a good fit for the nets but eventually it's just not going to work like you're going to have to come off the bench you're going to have to be a spot-up shooter and and not handle the ball and so that's going to eventually have to you know he's going to have to learn that one the hard way but i do think these other teams chicago might be the last the last chance for him but jimmy butler's not going to let him do that stuff yeah but where is he going to go if it's not chicago if it's not sacramento i mean where is he going to go it's nuts it's crazy there's nowhere there's nowhere to put him (laughs) okay okay so i'm going to predict the same thing i'm going to predict ryan anderson i'm going to predict courtney lee um i'm actually going to predict i I don't know why i'm going to do this just because i made up a trade and i think 
I think it's a good trade. I, I'm going to predict that the Kings trade for Rubio to play the point. Uh, and then I'm going to predict that they trade, uh, that they deal Mr. Rudy Gay and they get some sort of small forward back, and I'm not sure what. I don't know what who they're going to get, but that's what I think that they'll do. They'll trade Rudy Gay and they'll come up with something different at that position. Uh, more of a 3 and D guy to go with Omri Caspi. And, uh, you know, and, and I don't think, although he he decided to opt into his final year of his contract. I don't think Karam Butler will be back either. So he'll be dealt either with uh, Costa and Ben or with Rudy as part of a package deal to, to get a different position. And that Ricky, Ricky Rubio trade idea is tantalizing. It's, it's really tantalizing. Cause, For both sides, right? Well, I think, this, I think the Wolves are done with him. And that's just, that's that. Um, yeah. But... You know they've got their own little deal going on with Tibbs and him wanting to get Jimmy Butler, but the the firefight between them and the Bulls, you know, because of the relationship between Tibbs and their front office is really interesting. Uh, there's reasons to make the trade for both sides, reasons not to make the trade. Ricky Rubio though does seem like he's on his way out, and so you ask yourself, well, what would what what kind of player would you want to pair up next to Demarcus Cousins? And on one hand, Rubio would be great in terms of just getting him the ball. You know, here, here's a good spot for you to have the ball, Demarcus. Go do something with it. He doesn't want to shoot. That's the ideal point guard for a high usage player at another position. Defensively, he's a mixed bag. He sometimes can be a turnstile. Other times, he can be brilliant. Um, so, how does that reconcile itself? He he's got obvious problems shooting the ball, and that's not a great fit with a post player because then defenses can just sag off. And that's what you see with Rondo. He can't enter the ball into DeMarcus in the post. So, hey, DeMarcus, let's run the pick and pop. You want to be a shooting guard, right? George wants you to be a shooting guard. We'll just run the pick and pop. <laughs> and, it, and it doesn't work like that. But I think Rubio is a good enough passer and is more free-flowing that I think he could be a good fit. And when you're looking at trying to get through this point guard issue, I mean, there's like 20-some-odd good point guards in this league. The Mike Conley signing's not that great in a vacuum because he's going to be a top 15 point guard at best. And he's making 30 mil, 30 he's got mil the, a year. He's got the biggest contract in league history. That's nuts. Yeah, That's, it, I mean... He's no longer underrated, by look, the way. Look, I, I know Rubio isn't always a great defender. You're right. He can be a turnstile, and then other times he can be brilliant. And the thing I, I really like about Rubio is that he gets a lot of steals. He is unselfish. He can't shoot at all, which is annoying. But that's why you have a guy like Ryan Anderson. That's why you bring in a guy like Courtney Lee. That's why you you chase a guy like Alan Crabb to space the floor. So And, and even still, DeMarcus, while people shouldn't love DeMarcus shooting threes, he can still shoot threes. And I guarantee you he will get very similar looks to what he got last year with Rondo. They're very, as far as mentality as, as point guards, they're very similar. And except for one of them is all-consuming both on and off the floor he is the floor general like i I wouldn't doubt that there's a tattoo somewhere on him that says floor general but (laughs) he he thinks that he runs everything and then the other guy is is maybe still a little too soft and but the other thing isn't rubio like 25 it's nuts he's so young still and he's got some injury concerns and and that's and and rondo well, yeah, exactly. And, but again, you're playing at the bottom of the top 30. 
when you talk about these point guards. And so there, a lot of them come off or are in free agency next year. And I just I think it's a position of depth in the NBA. So you, but you the just have to getting play. any of those guys who are free agents next. Well, and, but you also have a dominant post center, so you don't necessarily need your point guard to be a pick and roll monster. And that's what the NBA is all about right now is the scoring point guard pick and roll monster. But you have a player in Demarcus Cousins that's different than every other team has. Yep. There's only like three of these guys out there. You know, Carl Anthony Towns, Al Jefferson. And I'm sure I'm forgetting a bunch of people, but whatever. So build your team. Like, don't spend money at this point guard position, at least this year. Don't spend money, you know, on on these ball handling slasher types that that are flashy and also cost a lot of money. You know, find the guys that are going to spot up and shoot threes. And that's one thing about Rubio that I like is when he gets his feet set, he's not completely a zero shooting the ball. No, I think he shot like 33% from three last year. It wasn't that bad. I mean, it wasn't that far off what what Rondo's shooting this year. It's an adventure still. Yeah, but. It, yeah, yeah. But, and my other concern would be that Darren Collison is a free agent next summer and the Kings could conceivably have no point guard. And so I, Rubio is going to be, you know, he's going to be basically middle of the road as far as pay for the next few years. And you have somebody. And if he loses his job and he's coming off the bench and you got someone better, then that's fine. But in the new NBA, like half the players on your team are going to be making $15 million. And then there'll be your rookies who make nothing. And that's the way that it goes. All right, Aaron, do you have any final thoughts? I don't know how we drag this out. We have a lot to talk about, but I don't know how we talk. Uh, yeah, we I don't know. My, it's been like 48 straight hours of prep, no sleep, and just big news every five minutes. So uh, I'm, I enjoy it. It's the best, one of the best times of the year. It's like Christmas. Yeah, everybody is a possibility for your team. Everybody's got a chance at the championship. Not really, but that's what it feels like. <laughs> and uh, even Kings fans, you could win the championship next year. I'm telling you. That's right. Nah, a couple that's, of that, the right moves. In, enjoy it, and um, we'll just see how it turns out next week. It's going to be a great podcast next week. All right. Well, that's going to that's going to do it for this edition of the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. We will be back next week. We will. Uh, possibly have a whole new roster to talk about, possibly not, and have to worry about people jumping off the Tower Bridge. Um, it's it's going to be a wild, 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 like, five, six days. So uh, for Aaron Bruski, I am James Ham. Thank you for tuning in to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. We'll see you next week. Win your share of $1 million with the Bet Rivers Beat the Spread Challenge. When you bet on pro football games at Bet Rivers this season, you can win weekly and season long prizes. Every time you beat the spread, you'll earn points and move your way up the leaderboard toward the top prizes. See official rules for details. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com and start winning. Presented by Rivers Casino Portsmouth. Must be 21. Playable in Virginia only. Gambling problem? Call 1 888 532 3500.